welcome to episode 20 of Oversharing Wearing. I'm not sure how we've got to episode 20, but here we are and I am so chuffed. What I'd like to do in this episode is to talk about what I've learned over the past year in doing Oversharing Wearing. Back last year when we were in the midst of the pin the pandemic, Jesus, I can't even talk, the pandemic, there was something in me, I don't know, maybe an instinct that knew I was doing the right thing, that there was something in me pushing me to do this podcast. And that in itself, it was a bit strange, if I'm honest, because I always, I hate being out of my comfort zone, but it felt like the absolute right thing to do. And I know I've mentioned that before. I have actually been asked quite a lot, if I'm an anxious person, then why would I want to talk so openly about my life in a podcast? Because after all, the social construct has meant that it's not the done thing to blurt out your inner turmoil and painful past to total strangers. And I totally get that. But in a weird way, I feel quite at home talking to you out there. I look... I also feel like people in the public eye are starting to talk more openly and say, look, I look like I've got everything, but actually I've got real struggles. And I think there is more of a shift to being open and not hiding away your struggles for fear of shame or judgment. I think the biggest thing I've learned is that as you move through life, unless you start to confront your demons, they'll continue to follow you around and you, until you can't move past them. That actually, they're, they're actually stopping you from living the life you want. And that's how I felt. I felt like I'd sort of reached a point of, I, I can't live like this anymore and I need to find a way to let go of the past. By admitting that I struggle with anxiety and talking about how it's affected my life, it kind of felt like a relief, actually. I, I've always thought that, you know, slapping a smile on and making people laugh, despite everything I was feeling, was actually the right thing to do. But actually covering up and feeling like a failure is why a huge amount of people do struggle with anxiety and depression because they're too frightened to say, actually, behind that smile, there's someone who isn't isn't as happy as they'd like to be for one reason or another. And I've had to face quite a lot of uncomfortable truths when I've done since starting the podcast. The hardest being that since I started my own family, all the love I received was conditional growing up or at points non-existent and there was no one that saw me or had my back and that is really really painful because I wondered and I wonder still what kind of person I would have been if I had had someone to who loved me unconditionally and I know in my own way you know my parents did and do care about me so I don't want to make out that you know but I think just the sheer level of disdain and disinterest really really affected me I don't think I'll ever get over 
my dad saying to me that he hated me when he saw me when, when he was born, when I was born, sorry. And it's not something that I would ever say. And in a way, that's, that's my way of coping, is knowing that I would never sink to those levels. And that actually, those were his words. And he said it, not me. And that's how I cope. Because it's on him. And I think that's important. If you've had people in your lives that have said incredibly painful, destructive things, it's actually on them. They said it, not you. So you can choose to take take it on, which I have. And I don't want to make out that, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, screw him. Because it has deeply affected me. But also, there has to come a point, or there has for me, where you think, actually those are words, they are painful, but you went there, not me. And that in a way takes some of the pain away because I'm I'm a better person than that. I don't know if that makes sense, but (laughs) I just wanted to put that out there. So as I've mentioned before, I've been having therapy since the beginning of the year. And I've had lots of different sorts of counselling and actually it's very not very it's it's it can be easy just to sort of say things that have happened in your life or that you're not feeling great but actually what's happened with the therapist I'm seeing is that she wants to drill much deeper than that and I know I I mentioned in my chat with Emily in lovely Emily in my last episode I kind of I don't have an issue with sort of talking about things that have happened to me, but actually identifying the feelings associated with that have been much harder because I haven't really known how to feel. And I think that's the reality. I haven't known how to cope and process how I've been feeling. I want to share with you this exercise that I did a couple of weeks ago with my counsellor. I really hope it doesn't bore you but I thought it was such an interesting exercise. So when I turned up, my counsellor said that she wanted to try something. So she put out, she'd already put out some inanimate objects, some cards with images on them and some plastic toy figures. I had to pick the ones that represented parts of me. I did feel a bit like silly getting down on my hands and knees and like rifling through But my instinct told me that this was going to be like an incredible insight into how I really feel. So the first one I chose was a butterfly stamp. Then I selected a party popper, a leopard, a stingray, plastic stingray figure, and then finally a pearl brooch. I then had to explain why I'd chosen them. So for me, butterflies have always represented my children because I have four children and the four wings of the butterfly represent them to me. Every time I see one, I feel such joy and a connection to the universe through having had my children. They're my greatest gift, so that's why I chose the butterfly stamp. Next up, I chose a leopard. I always feel like in my mind I've been like roaming and trying to settle and feeling this sort of exposed and that's how I feel a leopard demonstrates the leopard. They're vulnerable and 
exposed and that's how I felt. So I kind of wanted this element of feeling unsettled. Then I chose a party popper because at the heart of me, I like to have fun and make people laugh. But because I'm anxious, sometimes that gets stuck and I don't always know how to be happy if I'm honest. So I, I'm kind of like metaphorically holding onto the string of the party popper and I and I want to have fun and just to, to be okay but it all feels condensed within the plastic of the bottle and I've got the string but I just don't know how to always pull it so that I'm not manic or um, highly strong like get that balance so that's for me the, what the party popper represents I know that's really deep <laughs> Or maybe it's not, I don't know. You might be thinking, oh my God. So then I chose the Stingray. It caught my attention because when you've gone to see them in an aquarium, you'll be momentarily interested and you might take time just to watch them bobbing beneath the surface of the water. But you know that there's going to be much more exciting attractions to see. And they're kind of flat and and they're grey and that they don't really catch the eye and that's how I feel I feel like unseen sometimes and I know that looking at that that people will look briefly at the stingray but because I grew up feeling unseen I don't expect to change I don't expect to be this exciting kind of person that people are desperate to know and that's that's how I felt I know I'm being very honest here and I know that you can change that perception of yourself but when you are anxious and depressed it's very hard to feel like you want to better yourself or to change that perspective and be the person because it's such it sort of has been so ingrained in me and I, th- and I think others will relate to this, a feeling like not seen or not reaching your full potential because you feel weighed down by these feelings of anxiety or inadequacy related to that. The last one I chose was a pearl brooch because fuck it, I want to be the shiny thing that people are drawn to. My counsellor then after I'd explained everything to her, made me look again at the things I'd chosen and what I wanted in the middle. And obviously it was the butterfly stamp and the pearl brooch. The shiny thing that is pretty. So I drew drew a circle around those two and moved the others away so that they weren't pulling focus. And actually, it was really interesting because then she said, do you want to add anything else? So I chose this figure holding a gun at the party popper and for me that army figure with the gun represents my dad who can see this happy person but has always managed to sort of be in my head and control the side of me that's let things get in the way the unhappiness the lack of self-esteem the anxiety and I can't blame it all on him but I'm just saying so I threw the figure away and I moved the party popper closer to the centre and it felt good. And I 
feel like it was such a cathartic thing because I didn't know I felt any of that, if I'm honest. Obviously, I, you know, you have these thoughts and they, they run along in your mind, you know, maybe on a regular basis where you think, I'm not good enough, um, I, I should be a better version of myself, but I'm not, I'm struggling. And what happens is, is that actually becomes part of your everyday narrative and, and you don't start to challenge it. So say if you have a really unwanted, intrusive thought, you'll go, hang on a minute, no. Or you'll, or what I've been looking at is people that are letting that anxiety and a panic attack in and they'll go, hang on a minute, right, what can you do? What's the worst you can do? And that, again, is an interesting train of thought. So what my counsellor explained to me was that it's my unconscious talking. And I don't get me wrong, I, I cried a lot. And I don't really like to cry in public, but I just felt just so bereft. And I, I, I'm not sure why, but I just... It felt good, but also I felt quite sad that that was how I really felt, if I'm honest. And I think the other thing I've learnt is that anxiety is always going to tap on my shoulder. I've I've kind of accepted it. Obviously, I can work on it and I can I can see that it's made me a, a empathetic person. If my children need to talk to me or someone wants to talk to me about their mental health, I totally get it and I'm grateful for that. And I wish that things had been different for me and that I had somebody to talk to, but look, we can all dwell and I I am now doing something about it that's the important thing to remember is that you can do something about it and I also have realized that now I'm a parent well not now I've been a parent for a long time but they are now uh, approaching adulthood a couple of them and I really really want to be the best version of myself for them but I'll tell you what no matter what you do <laughs> with being, and I'm forced fake laughter, um, it's never bloody quite right, is it? Ooh, you know, you know, people are going to say, oh, it's, there's no such thing as the perfect parent. I know that, you know that, but my God, we bloody try. And I'll tell you what, when they get older, they will give you feedback. They will let you know. And yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm glad they can talk to me. They're not scared of me like I was my own parents. And I want to hear what they've got to say. But my bloody God, being a parent, especially to four, is is a lot. And I'm so grateful for them. But yeah, so don't beat yourself up as well. This is another thing I've learned. Don't beat yourself up too much. Because, you know, my son's only 23 and he's pretty bloody amazing. And they they work through stuff. The last thing I wanted to touch on is that, and I know I talked about social construct earlier in the conversation, is that we are, as a society, reward people that have lost weight, that have new jobs, that are, are a new car, that have doing well, right? But with mental health, if you've been really ill and you come out the other side... No one's going to turn around and go, do you know what? You had terrible postnatal depression. You really, really lost yourself, but well done you for coming back. Because actually, there's so much emphasis on superficial things. And actually, what matters, and I know people have always said, what matters is your 
health. No, what matters is your health and your mental health. You need both to be functioning. You need both to be okay. And if one is out of the kilter, is out of kilter, then you're going to struggle, but you shouldn't have to. And this is the thing that I'm trying to realise that I don't deserve to struggle, that actually people with anxiety and depression, there's something that's wrong and that's how it's manifesting itself. So maybe in time, like I'm trying to do, look at what what is inherently wrong. My God, it takes time and patience, but give yourself to that, you know? Shame and fear thrive in the dark and you and you will absolutely always be a pearl. I want to be a pearl. I'm getting there. I'm going to be that pearl brooch. But you listening to this now, you are that pearl brooch, guys. Come on. Right, I am so nearly cried then, didn't. I'm so excited for season two. If anyone wants to come on, I would love it. I'm going to come back with more exciting stuff to talk to you about. Thank you so much to all the people that listen, all the people that give me feedback. I've been really lucky. I've done two talks for Mind. Podbean has rated my podcast as one of the top 50 anxiety podcasts to listen to in 2021. And I was lucky enough to be on a local radio show talking about my podcast recently. Oh my God, if you'd said a year ago or or any of that was going to happen, I'd have been like, what? No. But it's, oh, thank you so much, guys. Sorry, I sound like bloody Oscar at the bloody Gwyneth Paltrow at the Oscars. I'm going to stop bloody twittering on now. Okay, lots of love. Bye.